the Lord has spoken to me in uh, uh, three parts in my heart, my mind, and it's a special day for everyone, those here and those beyond. And this word is not confined to the day, but it is the word for many days to come in our lives. The Lord has brought today for you a refreshing. That's the first one. I'm going to get there, but before I do, you just come with me in the biblical narrative. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1. And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. <clears throat> and she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. Which I like that. Not only does the meat belong to the Lord, the fat belongs to him too. That's helping me. It's all yours, Lord. Sorry, I just kind of get... It's the word. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, approval. But unto Cain and to his offering, think now. It was not inanimate. He just did not scorn the offering. Cain the individual God did not have respect and because of it Cain was wroth and his countenance fell I'll end there and then we'll pray that the Lord will open up his word to us and everybody said in Jesus name Amen and everyone said Amen turn your neighbor forward you're seated and just smile at them really loud then you may be seated. Amen. Thank you. We are but a few pages into the chronicled history of mankind when we discover the pattern for all life for the ages to come. God will speak. There will be declarations made by the omniscient, which spans the breath of time. If we pay special attention to the construct of those first chapters, the book of Genesis then we can see the reason for the spiritual conflicts happening today in our world. 
All that God established then is being confronted by the spirit of this age now. What God mentioned not only became the premise for life, but it was also the standard by which all things would come to be measured, what he mentioned. He spoke and it was so. He declared it and it was true. It was forever true. His spoken word became the basis for the world. His mention became the order of life. Seasons will exist because God mentioned them. He set in motion those seasons and no one can change the seasons. Genesis 8, 22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. So anyone who attempts to convince you that we will enter a time when winter goes away or there will be a perpetual summer does not believe or understand God's law of first mention. He made it known first, and when he began at first, whatever he began, he set in those concepts, or even the physical, a perpetual motion. The spiritual war, now seen in the physical realm, has always been over what God initially said. The battle of our age surrounds what God first mentioned. He created them male and female. There's a battle over his first mention. Even in the struggles of the garden, the garden of Eden, Satan began with his deception and his temptation. And he did so by asking, yea, hath God said? Our first introduction to the deceiver was the inquiry over what God had spoken. Hath God said? Satan's first challenge was against the spoken word of God. He was in rebuttal over God's law of first mention. The devil questioned God's order and his boundaries. And the world's first couple and subsequent family would have to contend with their rejection of God's first word. Adam and Eve will stumble at Satan's query. Hath God said? We're just a handful of pages now. Into the Bible, there are these opening moments of time as we know it. Adam and Eve and the boys. Just the four of them. They were pure in so many ways and so troubled at the same time. There was no evidence of disease or sickness to afflict them. There was no influences to corrupt them. No one had Facebook. Instagram. And yet the conflicts, though few, were so very destructive. Gold and silver, rubies, diamonds existed, but these things were not considered as means of worth. The idea of status had not entered their minds. It was just food and shelter, and yes, sacrifice to God. Adam and Eve had no parental parents on which to blame their dysfunctional family or infractions, as all of us can. For better or worse, they were the template of their own making. There were no industries from which to choose. A handful of trades, I suppose, is all we might consider farming and shepherding. It was the most minimal career opportunity, job fair ever to exist. And yet, they still had trouble. Jealousy became the wedge. And if truth be told, Cain was really angry with God. And he took it out on his brother Abel. And that progression has been repeated a million times over. People become angry with God and they take it out on those closest to them. 
God did not find favor in Cain's offering. At the same time, God was very pleased with Abel's offering, his sacrifice. Cain knew the score. He, he knew that Abel found favor and that he did not. He knew that Abel had done it right and he had not. And in that knowledge, that inflicted disappointment, his countenance fell. He was angry, wroth. God was not pleased. But because we have a tough time battling the immortal, we usually just lash out at the tangible. And it wasn't just anger, ladies and gentlemen. It was embarrassment. He, like so many others, caught himself in his own autonomous net. And here is God, so gracious, so willing to speak to this first son of time. God said, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do right, Cain, you'll be accepted. But if you do not, sin is like crouching tiger. It will pounce on you. It will consume you. It will become your master and you the slave. Abel had done right, but Cain, wroth, angry, the fuming, founded in hatred, that jealousy mounting like a tsunami of unspeakable proportions. Wave after wave of anger drove him like a madman to the field of his brother. Yet still, the burning in Cain's heart was not the root. Oh no, no. Jealousy was simply the symptom of his disobedience to God, as it often is. And God had exposed Cain and finality, infinality. Abraham's, Abel's death was the result of the root cause of disobedience. Oh, the conflict of God's defied command. The annals of time will speak of so many men and women who could not and would not be confronted by God's word of correction, especially his people. They wouldn't take God's correction. They lined the hallways of history. They litter the landscape of a thousand once saved believers. But they could not handle his correction or the exposition of their disobedience. So they threw the eternal destinies to the, wor- to the wind and marched full face toward a bitter life. Lashing out at whoever godly person, whatever godly person confronted them. Disobedience and then jealousy, then the assassination of the godly. So many rejecting God's word and then to be exposed by the Lord's own word. Jesus was sitting at that table when Mary burst into the room. She took the pound of ointment of spikenard and she poured it on the feet of Jesus. She rushed past the current protocols, bypassing the idle murmuring that denounced her actions. Judas is over there. He's leaning back in scorn and he decides that the ointment has been mishandled. It's a loss, he says. We could have done something better with that spikenard. We could have sold it. And then Judas, in his pompous manner, to both impress the other disciples and then to validate his own standing, Judas announces, we could have given the money to the poor. There is no break in the dialogue. We know of no awkward pause. Judas has no longer finished his haughty notion. When the author of eternity speaks with an obvious sharp tone of defense, Jesus said, and I quote, let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. You always have the poor with you. I'm not always going to be with you. And suddenly Judas has been exposed. All thoughts of self-worth, all consideration of standing or position have crashed against the sharpness of the master's tone. But Judas would not allow the master to expose him. His human flaw now lay bare before the brethren. His next step is the selling of information about the location of a prayer room among the olive trees. He was exposed and he would not stand for it. It's a long line of conflict. 
that began that day when Cain left the presence of God and sought out retribution against his innocent brother. He meets him in the field or in a valley or beside some nondescript stone. And in haste and in anger, Cain kills his brother Abel. It wasn't over an offering. It wasn't over position or location. It was over obedience. It was over subjectivism. It was over the difference between doing what God said and that ever-present thorn of self-justification and intention. It's an old story. What God says and what I think. Cain takes up the matter of angst against God and levies a tragic judgment upon his innocent, unsuspecting brother. God is going to speak in the very next verse. And as I have often said, God never asks a question because he needs to know the answer. He always knows the answer to whatever question he's asking. God asks Cain, where is thy brother Abel? Cain's give, he'll give no real answer to which God will say, watch now, God will speak. God is going to say something in the opening chapters. It's no less than a mention. And in turn, he's going to set an emotion, a matter that has been the greatest value of life in our lives. Even at this moment, God said, Genesis 4.10, he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. It was a shadow of things to come. It was a word set in motion that will extend to us now. And Cain at that moment has killed his brother. Abel's lifeless frame lay sprawled out in that lonely field. The tundra is pressed down. His eyes have glazed over. His pupils will no longer dilate. His muscles and bones cannot contract. His breath has been exhausted, cast into the summer breeze. But the sound of his blood has a voice all its own. The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And while the body is dead and it's gone, there is a voice emanating from the blood that cannot and will not die. God can hear it. The spirit realm for which we are all equipped to understand. The spirit realm can hear it. The heavenlies will stand at attention to the voice that comes from the blood. God has come to seek an answer, not for himself or for his knowledge, but God has come to seek an answer so that Cain can confess, where is your brother? What have you done? You cannot hide what you have done. Your actions will never be hidden from me. His mouth cannot speak. His hands cannot wave in desperation. His feet cannot run. But I hear the voice of the blood crying out to me. The law has been established. Blood speaks. Blood has a voice, ladies and gentlemen. Not just any blood, but innocent blood. Innocent blood will never stay silent. I'm getting there. You can stomp out the body. You can bury the corpse. You can stone it. You can wound it. You can burn it away. But the blood has a voice and no one and nothing will ever silence the voice of the innocent blood. I rise to say there is a voice found in the blood. (laughs) 
Because when the body cannot take up for its own defense, and when the body has no recourse and no support, and we have no way out and no way up, there is a sound reverberating from the blood. You may not be able to hear it, but the one who matters most has set a law into motion, and he comes running when he hears the sound of the most innocent blood. He hears the sound, and he stands to attention, and he says, we may not see the body, and we may not see the hands, and we may not see the arm, but I always can hear the blood. I'm getting there. Moses stands before the people. He tells them of the tenth plague to come. Nine have passed. He says, we're leaving tomorrow. We've been bound in Egypt long enough, and tomorrow we're getting out of here. But first, we must prepare because the tenth and the final plague is on its way. The angel of death has in his hands an affliction to kill the firstborn of every home. He's coming. So go to the field and find the best lamb you can find. Kill the lamb, take its blood, and wipe it on the outer doorpost of your house. Then gather your family and stay inside. And when the angel of wrath comes, when he comes with the sting of death, the blood of that innocent lamb will rise up and say, Oh no, not in this house. That angel will look at that blood and he will pass over every house that has the blood applied. Because death can't enter where the blood is applied. And judgment has no place where the blood is applied. And destruction has no opening because there is an echo of defense rising from the blood to the voice, the voice of the blood to the ears of God. I hope you can grasp it today. The blood of Jesus Christ will be your greatest and your only defense in the coming age and the judgment to come. I rise to say his blood has a sound and a voice. It's the law of mention. I caution you today, especially those of you who've been around a little while, please don't pass this off as some super, superficial moment. I don't need another feel-good sermon. I need something that's real, powerful, and transcendent. It is the blood. You are not redeemed by your goodness. Who do you think you are? You are not, you, are, you didn't buy your way into this house. No one's rich enough to be saved. No one's wealthy enough to be saved. Money is not the tender that gives you access to the throne of God. No one makes it because of their last name. You don't have a Pentecostal apostolic Christian heritage deep enough to get you access. No one is saved because of the good things they do for poor people. I'll tell you how you were redeemed. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. He was a lamb without blemish and without spot. I hope you can hear today. And I confess, I'm a little weary of faddish church. That postmodern thought. I'm, I'm weary with trying to turn a phrase and someone kind of finding something clever to say. And then we all walk out and nothing changes. We're all bound up and got issues and we're all dysfunctional and we don't know how to live in this world and we walk around in fear and wondering if the world's going to collapse and then people get angry and they're walking around with anger all day long. And I'll tell you why. Because we got to have some, we haven't had something that transcends everything. We're reaching for the trend. I'm not preaching an old time message. I'm preaching the original message today. 
We didn't make it this far because of innovation. We didn't make it this far because of talent or ability. I love the screens. I like the lights. I'm glad I got a microphone because I got a cold. But nobody is gifted enough. We came by way of the blood. And if you want to know how you were saved, the Bible says almost all things are purged by the blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And can, can I get real for a moment? Actually, I've been real the whole time. There's levels of realness. <laughs> when you get down to the real realness, the filters go away. We'll just step one step down. <laughs> if we make it even one more day with all of our inconsistencies, all of our hypocrisies, all of the junk clogging up our brains, our minds, and our hearts. I like all the good people to keep their hands down. We make it one more day, striving for the kingdom. I'll tell you how you're going to make it. It's going to be because God refuses to see past his own blood. I can only imagine the story of the Passover 40 years prior was not lost on the two spies who gave the order to Rahab of Jericho to stay in her house. They said to her, when we come back, this whole place is coming down. God's going to take down every wall, every tower, everything you all think you've built that's so great will never come down. Every stronghold, God's going to take it all out. He's going to wipe it out and death is going to come to every person who lives in this city. Not an ox or a goat is going to be spared. Death is going to be the finality of this entire place. Hear it, everybody. But Rahab, listen to us. If you'll just put this scarlet rope, I, I've got to believe they're thinking back 40 years prior. If you'll just put this scarlet rope out of your window and hang it down. Looks like blood to me. <laughs> when destruction comes this way, everyone under the covering of that scarlet rope is going to be saved. You may not be able to escape the city, ladies and gentlemen, but if you're covered with the blood, it'll be as if you were never there. You're going to be saved and you are going to be healed. And it's all because your blood bought. Nothing like the blood is echoing, it's speaking. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Maybe you've come to this house of worship and you really don't know where you are. I want to help you with it. The book of Hebrews says it like this. I'll paraphrase a little bit. Hebrews 12, you have not come to a mountain that's burning with fire, darkness, and gloom. You've not come to a harsh sound or to judgment like they did when Moses led them. No, this mountain is not like that mountain that made the people fear where even Moses said at the side of it, this is what he said, I'm trembling with fear because the mountain was on fire. No, the writer says of Hebrews, that is not the place of this mountain. Let me quote it to you now. Verse 22 of Hebrews 12. But you have come to Mount Zion. And to the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. To an innumerable company of angels. Right here in this house. To the, to 
to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, we are registered in heaven. This is the house you've, this is the mountain you're in today. To God, the judge of all. Uh Uh-oh, that's not good. To the spirits of just men made perfect. Here, Here it comes. Here's our salvation. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. This blood is in defense of your life and it's speaking of better things. You didn't come to a house of judgment. You didn't come to a place of decimation. You came to a place where the blood is always making intercession for you. Here's the fact. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Yes. There are things that you cannot say for yourself. There are words that you are not equipped to speak. There are prayers for which even the English language or every other language, every human language cannot imagine. Our collective cumulative vocabulary from ancient Latin to pictographs, none can say what needs to be said. That is why there are times when the Spirit makes intercession for you with groanings that cannot be uttered. And for those of you who somehow believe that you know yourself, let me just say, you probably don't know yourself as well as you think. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperate to be wicked. Who can know it? But the Lord knows the heart. He searches the thought. And when it comes down to it, you need someone to speak on your behalf for what you know and what you don't know. You need a voice that reaches beyond the temporal sound and stretches past the boundaries of this natural realm. And there's only one voice that can cry to the eternal most high God who sits atop the throne. Heaven is his throne. Earth is his footstool. Still, it is the voice of the blood of Jesus that was spilled on Calvary. And there are no seminars or self-help measures or commentaries greater than the voice of the blood. You'll never meet a counselor that can speak for you or a lawyer that can represent you or a friend that can stand up for you on your behalf like the blood. My brother loves me. Scotty loves me. He's not always around to stand up for me. My sister tolerates me. (laughs) She loves me sometimes. My dad, he... He cares about me, but he doesn't always have the words to say. All of them love me, but when, when I'm in trouble, they can't talk for me. My mama, well, that's, this is dangerous now. I don't know what happens. You can kick my dog and tell someone how their dad's a bum, drive a piece of junk moment people say your mama guns are drawn knives come out grown men lose their mind you could people cuss each other out doesn't matter throwing rocks and stones all they have to do is say your mama what about my mama you can talk about my wife don't talk about my mama that's There are people in prison. They did the atrocities because someone said, your mama. (laughs) 
Mama has gone before judges. Mama gave nurture. Mama gave unconditional love, support. Where are my kids? Mama loved you when I was not sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mama has addressed authorities of all kinds. Mama has gone before school boards, teachers, professors, stood up to police and doctors and landlords. Mama was the one who interceded even when dad wanted to correct us. (laughs) I'm talking about Mama Rosie right now. Rosalie, Mama Rosie. We were bad. Dad got home. She told dad how terrible we were. So he got the belt out, ready to spank us. And then mom got mad at dad for wanting to beat us. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to beat these kids. Don't beat them. They're my children. What's wrong with you? She's the one who started. Well, we started it. One time dad brought us to the back bedroom. He said, okay, Scotty and Jeffrey, I'm going to spank the bed. You cry. <laughs> True. But the problem is we got carried away. Ow! Ow! Not again! Mom comes rushing. Dad got in so much trouble. We didn't have one thing. Talk about my boy right there. Talk about my girl. I love mama's voice. I'm not trying to offend anyone. I just want you to know, mama's voice has nothing on the voice of the blood. Whatever you think she's done for you or will say for you, it is exponential. You can't even compare your earthly mama to the blood of the Lamb of God. The voice of the blood covers... Let me just help you, everyone, because we got thoughts that run through our mind, and those thoughts condemn us. And the devil and the world, what we hear and see, it it infects our mind. And when a bad thought or an evil thought passes through your mind, and you, you, you feel guilty for dwelling on it, here's how you get out of it. You say right now in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood to cover my mind and my head and my thoughts with your blood. Because the blood is going to speak against every demonic force. and I say to our church here Satan can wound the body ladies and gentlemen we don't know it but in times of real persecution he has wounded the body and in some locations around the world and in other eras he has buried the body he didn't kill off the church There's always been a thread, but he has definitely wounded the body, but he cannot silence the blood. The enemy can push you down and stomp on you, but he cannot silence the blood. And when you get in that fix and you do not know how to get out, you just know there's a blood, there's a voice. It's calling out on my behalf. It's pleading some intercession for me. Oh, I'm in prayer for today. 
And I don't know how the Lord speaks to you, but he speaks to me with great impression. It's, I know when, he, when he's talking, and I'll write it down immediately on a scrap piece of paper on the back of a deposit slip on my computer phone, wherever I'm at. The Lord spoke to me. It was an odd thing. He said, this is what came through. Tell the people I'm doing things that they're not looking for. And I shrugged. It was, I said, yes, Lord, I know that you're always working when I don't know you're at work. And I felt him say this to me. No, 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 no. You don't understand. My blood, this is what the Lord impressed me. My blood is a voice on their behalf. And I'm doing things that never crossed their mind. They're not looking for it. Not because of what they ask for. But I hear the sound of my blood asking for it. But it never occurred to them. That was wonderful. I wrote it down. It was great. And then it was a bizarre thing. I was reading it. I'm not even at that book yet, but I had opened it up and I found this scripture and then it came to me what the Lord was saying. Here it is in Isaiah 64 and 3. New King James, here's the Bible. When you did awesome things for which we did not look for, you came down. We weren't even looking for that, God. We didn't even know it was coming our way. We were just going about our lives and our business. We were doing our best. But somewhere in the heavenlies, there was a sound. He's doing things for you. You didn't even know he was going to do for you. He's doing things because there's a voice crying out on your behalf. You didn't know it. The mountain shook at your presence. The earth has to stand. Let it. I have more but I feel like I should stop right now I feel like the presence of the Lord has now spoke I feel God's voice is in this house and I feel like you're here you're watching you're struggling but the Lord has a word for you his blood is making intercession he's speaking on your behalf right now in that situation that you cannot get out of and you don't know the answer for the blood is crying out the innocent blood is interceding on your behalf here, pastor, and those who don't know, you ought to know that God is doing things for you. You're not going to even suspect. When they come about, you'll be shocked and surprised. And you'll say, God blessed me with something I never even asked him for. I really didn't even desire it. I, I wasn't looking for that. But God is doing that. I'll tell you why. Because something else has happened in the spirit world. In the heavenly, something else has happened on your behalf. You ought to thank God for it. You ought to thank God for his blood. Because what you cannot say, the blood is saying for you. What you cannot repeat, the blood is repeating for you. Help me. I'm calling on the blood for every marriage that is struggling today. 
let the blood make intercession for that. I'm calling on the blood for every backslidden prodigal child. I plead the blood over their life right now. I plead the blood. Let the blood cry out for mercy and for grace I pray Lord I could not cry for mercy like your blood can cry for mercy I can't even speak in those tones Lord but your blood can speak in those tones I pray for everyone who is sick in their body with a disease or something that they cannot cure I pray right now I thank you for the doctors and the nurses Lord we thank you for all the caregivers but I pray right now for the blood of Jesus that there be an intercession for the human physical disease and the body that's that's struggling I pray I pray for every ministry right now that needs to be covered by the blood when we do not know what to say God your blood is going to make intercession (laughs) I thank you Lord I thank you, Lord. Cover me with the blood. Come on, somebody, you need to say it. Cover me with the blood. Cover my family with the blood. Cover my body with the blood. Some of you need to pray over your own emotions and your own minds. Cover my mind with the blood. Cover my thoughts with the blood. Cover my heart with the blood. Don't don't get far from this now. Don't outthink this. You're not smart enough to outthink this. For every wounded spirit and every broken heart, the blood is going to speak on your behalf. He's doing things you're not looking for right here in this altar. I pray right now. Now I'm just opening up this altar for everyone who wants to come. Just say it, Lord. I'm coming. Cover me with the blood. Cover me with the blood. Speak now. Innocent blood is always going to cry out. You mentioned it. It's your law. You mentioned it. And there's no more innocent blood than the blood of the Lamb of God.